Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Wasn't that so good to have Jeff Osborne with us this morning? Gibson and Gavin, you two, and Gentry, who's back, and Little E Kids. Thank y'all so much for being here. If you, if you don't know, and some of you are, are, are newer, Jeff, eight and a half years ago, moved his family from Illinois, and Tabby, who's still in Broken Arrow right now, taking uh, some good rest this morning, but Jeff brought the kids with him all the way from Tulsa, but I'm getting sidetracked. From Illinois, moved his family here eight and a half years ago to help us start Everyday Church. And so he's been with us for a long, long time, lived in the city for us, with us for quite a bit before moving uh, to Tulsa. But Jeff came in today to help us out and did such an incredible job. And Jeff, we miss you so much. Lovely time in worship today. Thank you for leading out. We love you very much. Amen to that. Y'all be praying for Jeff and his family. You know, my devotional life... Uh, uh, lately, I've been reading through the book of Acts. I don't know what you guys are doing in your, your time with the Lord, but in, in my reading, uh, my consistent reading, my daily reading, I've just been reading through the book of Acts, and there's lots of things that stick out to me, but one of the things that immediately stuck out to me is that the prayer of the early church, the early followers of Christ, their prayers look a whole lot different than our prayers. I don't know if you've ever noticed that because a lot of their prayers are recorded or we get to see a glimpse into their prayer life and they're recorded, they're jotted down for us and we see what they're praying. And I thought, man, those prayers look a whole lot different than our prayers. In fact, you could probably say our prayers are more like organ recitals. You know what I'm talking about? See, I'm not talking about these organs. Oh, wait, wrong organs. Go back, Nick. You're, you're, you're jumping the gun. I'm not talking about that organ right there. Anyone familiar with that type of organ? Nick, hey, follow me, buddy. You gotta follow me, all right? Are you good? Okay, so this is a different type of organ. I've never played one. Anyone ever played an organ like that? Anyone ever heard an organ besides a ball game? Okay, maybe, yes. All right, so I'm not talking about these organs. I'm talking about, that's the cue, Nick. So when I say, when I look here, Nick, Nick's doing a fabulous job, always on top of things. That's the organs that I'm talking about right there. You say, what do you mean our prayer lives? Now, that's a gross picture. You don't have to keep that up there, Nick. It's kind of disgusting to think about our internal organs, but our, our prayer life is more an organ recital because what are we doing when we pray? We're praying for Aunt Betsy's spleen and, and Uncle Gordon's kidneys. And Do we have multiple kidneys? We do, right? And so we're praying for these organs. That's kind of what we're just listing out. It's an organ recital. We're praying for this organ and that organ and this organ and that organ. But when you go back and you look at the prayers of the early church, it's a, it's a whole lot less of praying for their own comfort. It's not much praying for personal health, okay? What they're praying for is strength in the battle. Because these early followers of Christ knew that they were smack dab in the middle of a spiritual war. And when you're in a war, you're not praying for organs. Okay? You're praying for strength. You're praying for victory. You're praying that God would move. Because these Christians knew that, okay, yeah, of course, the Roman government that, that was in, in rule and in charge over really their day-to-day -day lives wanted very little to do with God. And, and even the Jewish religious leaders wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Okay, all that was going on. But, but beyond that, they knew that their battle was a spiritual one because they were trying to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, just like the Lord's Prayer we talked about in this series. And so it was a spiritual fight that they were in. So the first Christians most often were on their knees asking God for the boldness to endure and engage the fight. 
That's what we see in their prayer life. The boldness to endure, but also to engage the fight. In this series, very long, very early on, I think it was the first week of it. And if you're just joining us this series, this is great. You're not, it's not like a sequential order where you're missing out. But I want to go back and read one of the prayers that we highlighted of the first followers of Christ. This is right after being told, don't talk about Jesus. This is their prayer. Acts 4.29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Saying your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven be done on earth. Okay, what's done here as it is in heaven. Verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And so these believers, their prayer was, hey, fill us with boldness. Boldness in the Holy Spirit. To be a faithful witness even in the midst of potential terrible suffering. This prayer that they prayed was not keep us safe because typically that's our prayer. Keep us safe, keep us safe. Their prayer is for boldness. Their prayer wasn't to hide us better. Give us the great ability of hiding. It was give us boldness to preach. God hears the prayer. He responds so dramatically the earth shakes. I mean, the earth shook because of this prayer. And then after the earth shook, the threat of their enemy, their enemies no longer shook them. And the Father answered them in this prayer, and they were filled with boldness, and they spoke with a spirit of boldness. But don't miss the order. It is extremely important you catch the order. They pray, the Spirit shook them, then they shook the world. But it started with prayer. They prayed, and the Spirit shook them, and they shook the world. And as a Christian, we're called to shake the world. We're called to shake things up. We're to be a shaker, a mover and a shaker when it comes to bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. But the shaking of this world doesn't come without a fight. It doesn't. We will be engaged in spiritual warfare if we take the call of God seriously to go shake things up. Because we're going to look different, we're going to stick out, we'll be swimming upstream, and things are going to be different, and it's going to cause a shaking. But to get the shaking, you got to go through the fight. If we're going to make a difference for the kingdom of God, we will do battle against the kingdom of Satan. Who, for a time, a period of time, God has allowed to have rule and reign on earth. But we are his ambassadors. We are his conquerors, and we are to go and do battle for him. And so I want to keep a finger here in Acts. If you didn't turn there and you just looked on the screen, great, but we'll come back to it at the end. But right now I want you to find Ephesians chapter 6, because if we're to be in a great battle and if we're to fight for the kingdom of God, we need to have the right weapons. We need to have the right equipment. We need to have the right uniform. We need to have the right armor. And so in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to see what's called the, the armor of God. And as a Christian, I've read this three decades now or more, and I, I think for the first 20-something years, 30-something years, even till a couple years ago when I finally started processing this, I think in a more proper way, I think I've looked at it wrong the big part of my life. And so even if you're familiar with this, I want you to look at it. I was thinking about this today, actually, and just kind of... Uh, get my mind right as we go. Do, do you, back in the day when you would actually carry a, 
copy of God's word, which is awesome. And uh, nowadays, if you have an app or you use something like that, you, you don't have to remember the order of the books of the Bible. You just look on your phone and you push the right title, right? But when you used to have a copy of God's word, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, how did y'all remember that? Anyone? Some people remembered it as God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians. No, I heard God eats popcorn. Y'all had ghosts eat popcorn? Goats. Goats eat anything, but yeah, they'll eat some popcorn. Did you have a goat? His was go eat popcorn. Alabama had goats. I mean, go figure. My wife grew up in Alabama. That makes sense. And mine was more spiritual. God eats popcorn. Okay, so, but I also remembered as General Electric Power Company. I didn't like God eating popcorn. You know, I'm kind of pharisaical sometimes. And so I was like, man, we're not going that. We're going General Electric Power Company. So we're in the E, Ephesians chapter six. All of that to give you time to get there. Okay, we're all there now. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Look with me. A final word, Paul writes, which is him summing up his letter. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I wanna pause here just for a second before we kind of get into the armor. It's just a great reminder for us today that our battle isn't with people. Hear me today. Your battle is not with a person. People are seen. Paul writes that our real struggle, our real fight is in the unseen world. The authorities of the unseen world, he writes, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits. And so even though it seems like it, your problem is not your annoying neighbor. Your problem is not that coworker that if they say that thing one more time, you're gonna knock them out. It's not against that coworker. It's not against the, the, the fake Facebook poster. Your battle is not against the unresponsive spouse. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not even against you and the, and the mistakes you make. It's against the devil, the demonic, the unseen. But don't get it twisted just because our enemy is not visible, that he is often invisible. He's not fictional. He is real, and he wants to take you out. It reminds me of when I was in middle school. I, I got the, I was always scared of haunted houses. I've told you that before. So I got the assignment uh, of being one of the workers at a haunted house. And when I, my job, I got the best room, I felt like. There was a lot of different rooms, but our room was a room people would walk into and it was light. And then as soon as the lights, then we would kill the lights and it would go just pitch black. What would people do? Freak out. Why? Because it's the unseen. That's scary. It's the darkness that's like, what in the world is about to happen? What's out there? What's trying to touch me? And we would try to go in there and mess with them until people started swinging. We're like, okay, we're just gonna leave the dark room. But that's what people are afraid of. The light, no one was scared at the light. It's like, I can see everything. But when the light went off, everyone was petrified. The enemy wants to stay in the dark. And the enemy has a plan to mess with you in the dark. See, what Paul writes is that the enemy has strategies. Some of your translations will say schemes. The Greek word uh, for strategy or scheme that is translated is uh, the root of our English word method. It's organized evil. Satan has a plan to attack you. He has a strategy to uh, 
take you out. It's not flippantly. There's a plan. See, I, I can, if someone in the moment just kind of hacks me off or does something to offend me, I can get over that quicker. Like yesterday I was coaching my, my sons and Cassius basketball team. And the, this, the refs were atrocious. And I probably should not be preaching today without first repenting, but that's another story. But it was really bad. And one of the refs that I'm decent friends with because I've coached for a while and, and know this ref. But I, I screamed a little bit and, and uh, complained about a specific call. And I got a technical. Now, listen, so if you're ever here like, man, I want to, the church is always too perfect. Listen, you have the right place because I'm imperfect. But I got a technical. But after the game, me and the ref, we talked. I got over it. He was over it. It was just in the moment something happened, and we were able to make amends, and we were all good. Now, if I had heard he had a plan to be that poor of an official that day, if I knew he had a strategy to suck, sorry for my language, sorry. To, all right, I'm already getting back in coach speak. All right, no, that he was going to be that bad? If he planned it out in advance, oh, that John guy, that one game I really helped them out. Well, this time I'm not helping them out and I'm really gonna hurt their team. Now we're gonna have problems, right? Because there's a scheme, there's a strategy, there's a plan. It wasn't just in the moment. Accidents happen, we're all humans, right? We all make mistakes, please let me know. It's okay, we all make mistakes. But when there's a plan, there's a strategy, someone went to attack you, then it's a whole nother level of disdain or what we would maybe even say evil. Well, Paul says, listen, the devil has a plan. It's not just in the moment, hey, I think this will, I'll just mess with Chad today or Jason or, or Elena or whoever. It is, I'm going to purposefully try to take them out. There's a scheme. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.10 about some believers that, that he wanted them to forgive a man who screwed up. He says, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven... I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not, not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. And this comes from like thinking. He, he thinks about it. He schemes. He strategizes. He's a planner. And you need to know that about your enemy today. Paul here says one of his schemes is unforgiveness and bitterness. But there's lots of schemes. But he wants to implement that and attack your life. And so we need a strategy against him. You don't need to take him for granted or, or, or in a way that's lackadaisical thinking. Well, he, listen, he, he's not a red-horned, pitchfork-type character. He really wants to take you out, and you need to be smart, and you need to counterattack. But since it's a supernatural battle, your victory isn't going to come from these human weapons. It's not going to come from your human strength. It's not by your might nor your power, but victory will come by the Spirit of the Lord. And again, our, our enemy is unseen. It's less about what we can see, but what we can't. So the weapons we use are also going to be unseen because it's a spiritual battle. And so that's why we see the uh, armor in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, he writes, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. And the body armor of God's righteousness, or breastplate of righteousness is how many of you will remember that. Verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now here's where I've kind of messed up along the way. 
I've ended all my processing of the armor of God with those verses. But I don't think verse 18 is there by accident. I I failed to connect it, but I want to make sure we connect it today. Verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And I want to highlight just three quick things, and then we'll go back to Acts and, and wrap up with a passage there. But just three quick highlights. Out of this armor passage, the first thing I want you to notice is, one, remember you are in a battle. Remember you are in a battle. Never forget it. you got to always remember. You can't put your guard down. You've got to remember you're in a battle. The people in Myanmar right now know they're in a battle. No one has to remind them. No one has to tell them it's a, it's a battle. It's a war. People in war-torn countries know. They can see the evidence around them. You're in a spiritual battle that's easy to forget because it's not always seen. Some of the repercussions, some of the consequences are seen through how your life plays out. But this unseen enemy is attacking and you can't ever let your guard down and think, oh man, life's good. Me and Jesus, we tight, everything's okay. No, you let it down for a second. The enemy comes in, he tries to still kill and destroy and he will try to take you out. So we've got to always remember we're in a battle. And that's why Paul says, put on the armor of God. Why do you put on the armor of God? Because you need it. You don't put on armor if you don't need it. You put on armor when you need it. Now, of course, you give your life to Jesus and you think, well, the, the, the battle's over. Jesus has won. The devil will leave me alone. That's not what that means. Yes, you now are a child of God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been adopted into the family of God. God is your father. You're under his umbrella. You have been adopted as a son or as a daughter. But the enemy now is like, okay, I don't want you growing. I don't want you active with your church. I don't want you serving. I don't want you giving. I don't want you to spend time praying. I don't want you to spend time in the word. And he's going to attack those things so that you do no further damage to the kingdom of Satan. Because a Christian that's on fire, a Christian that's living for the Lord, is going to hurt his kingdom. So often, his strategy is not to sit back and watch you. It is to attack even the most fervent believer. Because he doesn't want you hurting his kingdom. Listen, you might think, well, it's safer for me not to live for Jesus. Listen, that's not life. You're dead. That's not life. It's no way to live. There's no way to live lukewarm. Honor God with how you live. Pursue him. Let him give you victory in battle. But you've got to remember, you are in one. You have a battle against the unseen. The second highlight, put on every piece of armor. This is what he says, which is this incredible imagery that maybe we kind of get, we kind of don't. We've seen armor pieces, so we know it. But these pieces would have been easily recognizable by the average Jew who was under Roman authority and Roman soldiers always walking around. It would have been quite common to see all of this armor. In fact, you know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? His location was prison. And history would, would speak to this, but it was more than likely that he was chained to an, a soldier. And every six hours and 24-hour day, they would bring in another soldier and switch him out and chain prominent prisoners. And we'll even see it in Acts with Peter. But they would put prisoners chained, linked up to soldiers. And so it was probably in this time, he's like, hey, this armor thing, that would make a whole lot of sense in a spiritual setting. And so he used that and it clicked. And that's why he said, put on every piece of God's armor. Okay, what are they? Let's, let's throw up that picture, Nick, and just kind of leave it up here. 
this would be kind of an idea. I would say there might be a couple issues with this, but let's just start with the top. And this is kind of how I pray through it. I, the order is a little bit different how he listed out, but it's all the same. I usually kind of, when I pray through it, start up top with the helmet of salvation. We want to pray that our minds are protected, knowing that we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We have received salvation. We are good with God, not because of anything we've done, but because our faith and trust in Jesus. And one of the battlegrounds that Satan tries to mess with you is your mind. So you renew your mind. You get in the word of God. We'll talk through all this, but you, you don't conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but you renew your mind through his word, and then you know his will. But you start with, hey, I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. You put that on. like You filter everything through your mind. You take every thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ because you have been saved. You're not anyone else's but God's because of your faith and trust in him. If you've never done that, you need to do that. But you put on the helmet of salvation. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. I usually think of it as my emotions, the center of, of how I act needs to be through a filter of righteousness. And God, put that breastplate of righteousness, protect my heart, my emotions, and, and help that be filtered through the, the element of righteousness that I would want to live my life in a way that would honor God. We put on the belt of truth. And, and that belt kind of keeps everything together, cinches it up, puts the whole outfit together. And like when I pray for my wife and when I pray for myself, that I would discern truth, I would know truth. So that when people speak to me, I would have my own fact checker, checker, the Holy Spirit. Better than Facebook. Better than Snopes. Snopes? Snopes. And Snoops. Either one. Better than all of them. That I would have the Holy Spirit be my truth. And I would be able to say, okay, wait. That, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't seem right. I need to go to the Word of God. I need to go to God. I need to understand. But also, I would speak truth. I want that belt of truth around me that I'm not fibbing. I'm not deceiving I'm not speaking the devil's language. John 8 says that, that the father of all lies is the devil. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So what do you want to speak, lies or truth? Truth. We don't want to speak the devil's language. We want to speak God's language, truth. So we put on the belt of truth. We have our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. I pray this for my wife. I, usually in context, why I keep saying that, I pray, pray this over my wife. Pray this over your spouse. Pray this over your friends. Pray this over yourself. That wherever you go, there's peace. That's why I think it's shoes. Have peace here. Have peace at work. Have peace in the car. Have peace wherever I go. That my feet would have the gospel of peace, which is the good news, that I would take peace wherever I go. I take the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, wherever I go. We got a shield of faith. Now, this picture here, is, is still probably inaccurate to how big faith is. The, the Greek word faith is thurios that uh, the, they use for faith here or shield, which actually is, was used for shield because the Roman shield was so huge. It actually properly is used for a door, like a big door. And so their shields were body size where you could, it could hide a whole person. We're talking about big faith to stop the enemy's arrows. And so that's why it says, Paul says, take up the large door of faith. That's the shield of faith. That door was this large door. Take up the large door of faith, which by the way, the, the, the door to faith is through Jesus Christ and a faith and trust in him. And he says, take up that shield of faith. I can't please God unless I have faith. I can't go to God unless I have faith. Your life must be an element of faith, of trust. That's the door into intimacy with Christ. But this relationship with God is through faith. And so he says, pick up this door of faith, this shield of faith. And so we walk by faith. We come to know God by faith. 
we have the shield of faith in everything we do. Then he says, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, he clarifies for us, which is the word of God. And so we need to know his word. And we fight off temptation with the word. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He was quoting the Old Testament. He was quoting scripture. When Jesus was on the cross, he quoted scripture. When Jesus taught, often he quoted scripture. Jesus used the word of God as a weapon, as our offensive weapon. It's the sword of the spirit. We need to know the word of God. But all of this armor is a set. And so when I say put on every full piece, or when Paul says put on every piece of armor, we don't leave off a single piece. We don't say, you know what? The helmet of salvation clashes with my belt of truth today. And so I think I'm just gonna wear the belt and maybe wear a different helmet. No, I don't, it's gonna match. We wear it all. Some of you, I cracked a smile there. Thank you, I appreciate that. You have the shield. You don't say, well, the shield's too heavy today. It's faith, trust, believe. See, a lot of us, we'll, we'll carry some of them, but we're like, I don't want the sword of the spirit. I'm not gonna spend time in the word of God. And you're leaving the sword. Paul says, put on every piece of armor. Okay, we're in a battle. We put on every piece. Here's the third quick highlight. Prayer is the action. Prayer is the action. There's five protections. There's the helmet, protects. Breastplate, we got belt, we got shoes, we got shield. Those are all more in the protective side of the armor. Then we got a weapon, we got the sword. But what's the action of the soldier? The soldier is to pray. Look at verse 18 again. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So of course, we're in a battle. He lets us know. We need every piece of armor. He lets us know. But it's also important, and don't mishear me, but what we've failed to connect probably far too long is that prayer is the key that unlocks God's power. Prayer is the action of the soldier. We've got to be praying without ceasing. Prayer is what's going to turn the lights on in the battle of the unseen. Prayer will bring the light. It will light up the spiritual forces. Dark invites the devil. You keep things in the dark, you're going to have your tail kicked. The devil will kick your tail in the dark. Light is going to reveal him and he will flee. When you understand prayer is less about requests and more about the relationships and you pray, you understand the devil doesn't want you to have that relationship. He doesn't want you to pray because that's the dark. But if you begin to pray and spend more time with God, there will be more light in your life. Like that haunted house. The prayer will keep that light on where you can see what's happening around you. And so we don't miss it today. I want to look at one more passage. Go to Acts Acts chapter 12. I told you at the beginning, these prayers, the the lives of, of the early followers of Christ inspire me. In Acts chapter 12, we're going to see Peter. He is in a real battle. He's been arrested. He was arrested because of talking about Jesus. In Acts 12, 4, we're going to see a battle that takes place. Acts 12, verse 4. Then he imprisoned him, talking about Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. They're taking Peter very seriously. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Did you hear emphasis as I read that? 
Could you hear it? Should I be more emphatic? The church prayed very earnestly for him. Did you you catch the emphasis that time, everyone? Mom, mom, did you get it? Okay, good, all right. She's like, I got it. The night before Peter, verse 6, was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side, awakened him, and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. And even, I was like, man, this is a beautiful dream. <laughs> this is so realistic, though. You ever have one of those dreams you're like, you totally thought it was happening? He's like, this is, oh, what a good dream. Verse 10. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses and said, whoa, it's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders have planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for for He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. She got her name in the Bible, pretty cool. But it's funny what happens. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. Hello, I'm home. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. Now, where were they? Why were they there? that night? Why had they gathered together? They gathered together to pray. They had been earnestly praying for Peter's release. They were fighting for their brother. Were they at the prison with pitchforks and lanterns, torches? They were praying earnestly, the scripture says. And so in other words, they didn't merely just ask once. They're like, okay, let's turn on the TV and leave it up to God. They didn't just throw up a prayer. They're like, all right, Facebook time. They kept knocking on heaven's door, just like Peter was knocking on that door. Like, yo, prayer's answered. I'm here. Like, we're too busy praying for you to be released. (laughs) No, it's already happened. He was there. God answered their prayer. They were earnestly seeking him. Prayer is what brought the light to Peter. Prayer is what gave him victory. And prayer is what's going to change your life and bring light to your life. And prayer is what's going to give you victory. But it's not going to come through any other channel except through prayer. And some of you might be thinking, man, there's John, there's just, I'm up against it. Peter was up against it. He was tied to four soldiers, what it was, and, and, and imprisoned and, and under watch. You would think, that ain't working for Peter. He's up against it. There's no way out this time. There's no way he's going to escape. There's no way he's going to make it. Peter's toast. That's what it looked like from the outside, right? And you might be thinking that. 
John, I'm up against it. You don't know. Man, we're, we're behind a rock and a hard place and the eight ball. It's really bad. Life is tough right now. You don't know what's going on with my family. You don't know what's going on with my relationships. You don't know what trouble or addictions I've had or have. I might not. But this week, I was reminded of the power of prayer. I was reading an article on this uh, famous painting. I think we have a, a picture of it. So I think a French guy, Moritz Rich, maybe is how you pronounce his name, that painted this painting that is often referred to as checkmate. And this painting, it's the devil in, in red and this common man playing a, a game of chess. And the devil has the upper hand thoroughly in command, thoroughly in the lead. The pieces have kind of been changed in what they represent, but it is an actual chessboard with chess characters, and it's called Checkmate because it's like Satan has got this thing done. He's captured all these pieces in white. The common man's only got a couple pieces in black. It's over. This chess master saw this painting actually at a preacher's house and was like, this is a fascinating painting. This is what it's about, and just kind of what I explained to you, said, do you have a chessboard? So he got a chessboard, and he studied this painting and set up the chessboard for a couple hours, just making sure every piece was in the exact spot as it is in the painting, the ones that had been captured and which one, what each piece represented, and he set it up perfectly, and then he just stared at it, and he stared at it, and he thought, he said, this guy can win. He said, no, this, it's, this picture is showing Satan's got this guy. He's trapped. There's no way out. And he said, no, this guy's got moves. He can win this game. And he said, there's no way. He said, I'll prove it. And he played him, and he beat him. And they got other people, and they set up the board again. And every time he played, that guy won. You might think there's no way out, but I'll tell you, you've got more moves. Your first move is to pray. Then your second move is to pray. And then the third one is to pray, and you keep praying. Victory is still at hand. I don't care how far back you think you are. I don't care where you think you are in life, thinking you can't overcome. You can through the power of God. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. There is nothing impossible for God. Nothing. But it's not going to happen if you don't unlock the door. Prayer is the key. Get on your face before God. Seek him earnestly seek him, desperately seek him, and watch him move the pieces for you to give you victory. The devil does not have to have you. He doesn't. Quit submitting to him and, quit and start submitting to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Prayer is the key. So this morning, I want us to have a moment of prayer and close. I'll say this. The first thing is, the first prayer you, you need to really pray is, Jesus, come into my life. Take over. If you've never given your life to Christ, that's where it starts. You say, God, I admit, I've tried this on my own way too long. I've tried to be in good standing with you by my good deeds, my good works. And that's not good enough. Perfection is the the litmus test. And none of us in this room are perfect. I'm not perfect. I've been a Christian for a long, long time. But what made me okay with God and in his good standing is that there was someone who lived a perfect life. 
and it's Jesus. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus, and his righteousness became my righteousness. His perfection became my perfection. And so now I have unfettered access to God Almighty because of the relationship I have with Jesus Christ. By faith through grace, I have been saved. Not by my works, because I could boast about it, but I can't boast about it, because it wasn't my works that saved me. It was Jesus who offered his life for me, paid the price and penalty of sin. And I put my faith in that, and he changed my life. If you've never prayed, I'm sorry, I've screwed up, do that. If you're online today, you need to do that. If you're in this room today, pray it, your own words. God, I admit, I've screwed up. Please forgive me. I know I'm not perfect. I've never lived a perfect life. I know I've made mistakes. Even if it's one, you're imperfect. That's how it goes. And if any of you can hear can claim one imperfection, woo, make it two because you just lied, okay? But you say, God, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe in you. I believe you sent Jesus for me, that he died for me, rose again. I commit. I'm in. Be my boss, my Lord, my Savior. I don't know what all this means, but right now, I'm going to follow you. Teach me. And as a church, we want to help you on that journey. So if you pray that online or want to pray that online, comment, send us a, a message. You can comment on the Facebook or YouTube, or you can email us. You can go to everyday.church. We would love to have that conversation. If you're in this room, we'll be around today. And we have these connection cards. I'll tell you at the end, you can fill out. We can communicate that way as well. But how many of you in here, let's do this. Let's close our eyes for a second because I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask the band to come up and get ready no one looking around. If you would say, John, I do know I'm a believer. I have put my faith and trust in him. No one look around. From youngest to oldest, if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, I know I've done that. I have given my life to Jesus. Slip your hand up. Just let me know. I can see. Okay, no one looking around this. Okay, awesome. Very cool. I want to give you a chance. Maybe you're up against it right now. And you feel like, you can put your hand down. Thank you. If you feel like, man, Pastor John, something is going on in my life right now. I'm having a hard time. Would you do battle right now? Would you pray? Now, let me also say this. Did you notice that the, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ, the church, was praying for Peter? Did you know in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, be persistent in prayer for believers everywhere? Maybe you need to fight for someone this morning. Maybe right now things are, are, are going strong in your life. That's great. Don't put your guard down, but that's great. Maybe you need to pray for someone else today. So I'm just going to give you space right now to pray. And that might be for something in your own life or it might be for somebody else. If you want to get on your knees, if you want to stand, if you want to sit, whatever you want to do, would you do battle right now? Let's fight. Let's fight the unseen right now. Let's go to war. Let's go to battle. And let's pray for victory for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray for victory in our own homes. Would you fight for someone right now? Pray for them. And when you want to join in in singing, then join in in singing. But right now, fight. Fight on the behalf of a brother. Fight on the behalf of a sister in Christ. Fight for them right now. Fight for yourself. Pray. Meet with the Lord. When all I see is the battle you see my victory when all i see is the mountain you see the mountain move 
And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Cause when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Yes, you do. When all I see is the cross, oh, you see the empty tomb. Because when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs. Every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And the almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the sing you shine, you shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God and the almighty fortress you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Good when I fight out. Fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. 
like I I need to say a prayer maybe over one person or maybe a lot of people in this room but pray with me God I pray for the person in this room maybe they're online whatever it may be but are like Peter in a prison and maybe they're shackled to sin to a decision they made to a unhealthy ungodly relationship an addiction, whatever that shackle or chain is, in the name of Jesus, free them. I pray victory for them. Maybe it's apathy. I pray for victory in the name of Jesus. Whoever that brother or sister is right now, God, in the name of Jesus, set them free. I pray for all of us in this room to be freed from the shackles of sin, apathy, indecisiveness, and run to you and to take up our armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, our feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, and that we would pray at all times earnestly for the victory of the Lord. Send us, God. Here we are. Send us. Our yes is on the table. Thank you for the victory that you've given us. Don't let us be afraid of the enemy, but stand in the power of your love, your unconditional love, your love that is how, that we don't even, can't even comprehend how high, how wide, how long, how deep it is. Help us to even grasp that more and stand in your love and know that we fight our battles on our knees, trusting in you with a shield of faith that you got us, you're good, you're for us, and no one is against us that could overcome us because you are with us. We are your child. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for grace. Thank you for victory. Thank you that we are more than conquerors in Christ, that there is no condemnation because of our faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you for the freedom we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.